Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. Um, yep, as Andrew said, my name is Paul, and uh, one of the leaders here at Jubilee Church. It's my privilege to get to preach this morning. As Andrew said, yeah, we're going to continue our series called Prioritising His Presence, Prioritising God's Presence. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I know I have. It's helping me personally in my walk with God. I hope that's true for, for you too. So today and next week, we're going to be looking at the topic of Sabbath. Sabbath is an ancient practice and therefore has a very rich history to go along with it. But what is it really all about? What does it mean for Christians? It was only in 1994 that a law was passed in our country, this country, that allowed shops to trade pretty much fully on Sundays. And historically, that law previously was about keeping a day special for God. I was only 10 when it came in. But I remember at that time that it was still very much frowned upon by certainly the Christian people I knew in my family to go shopping on a Sunday. So is that really all it was ever about? Has it been forgotten over time? Some Christians and streams in more recent years have advocated for Christians to observe a Sabbath day and have talked about its benefits. And one of them is John Mark Homer in the book that I know lots of us have read or are reading to go along with this series. Uh, the book's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So what about it then? Is Sunday just the Christian equivalent already? And if so, why would we bother with another Sabbath day? Could observing some kind of Sabbath help us to prioritise the presence of God in our lives? Isn't it a bit legalistic? Or if it could be helpful, then how should we go about it? What is its purpose? What sort of things should we do with it? As I've said, Sabbath has a very rich biblical history. And so what I want to do is look at it very briefly through the Bible. Okay, so this morning, we're going to look at its history in the Old Testament to hopefully unearth some of the deep, rich meaning that the Sabbath day had for the nation of Israel. And then next week, we'll look at how Jesus viewed the Sabbath and therefore what, if anything, it could mean for us today. What I do want to say, though, is I think for lots of us, we've only really started thinking about this Sabbath thing in the last year or so, quite possibly after reading a book, maybe a couple of books, or maybe just talking to someone who's practicing uh, Sabbath in some kind of way. Having looked at it a little bit more for these couple of sermons, I do think that there's so much to it that it deserves some proper thought. So where do we begin? Well, like all of these great themes that run through the whole Bible, we begin in Genesis chapter one and two, right at the beginning. So in six days, the story in Genesis one tells us God created everything. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. He rested. And the word rested there means literally just to stop. It is the Hebrew word for Sabbath means to stop, which is where we get its name from. And God blessed that seventh day and made it holy. But what does that really mean? Does it mean that God was so worn out after all that creating for six days that he needed a day to recuperate and to recover his energy? No, that's just not who God is. So what does the Sabbath mean then? Well, what Sabbath day here really is all about is a day of completion. It's the day where everything is brought together. It's the day when God had finished the work of creation and now settles in. 
he takes up residence within his creation. You could say he fills creation with his presence and he begins to rule and to reign over it. I think it's significant that in the story of Genesis 1, this is humanity's first day. Humanity was created on day six, and so this is their first full day. And what it therefore is is kind of like an invitation from God to humanity to come and join him, to settle in with him, to rule and reign over creation with him, extending God's blessing to the whole earth. Humanity has received an incredible gift in creation and in the presence of God and now get to extend the beauty and life of this gift to the rest of the earth. They get to extend the rule and reign of God to the earth. And that's important because that is extending a kingdom. So this is the image of sort of completion that we have here. God and humanity settling into creation to rule and reign and lead creation forwards into blessing and flourishing, reliant on and enjoying the gifts and provision God has given them in creation and in his presence. Creation, you could say, has been liberated from the chaos and darkness that Genesis 1 opens with. It's been liberated into flourishing and life. So this is like the image of completion that we have here. This is what God says is very good. And in the story, seems that this kind of completed seventh day was just how things were now supposed to remain. It's interesting that here there is no command to observe the Sabbath at this point. This seventh day is just kind of how things are supposed to be now. And this is like the poised status of creation in an ongoing way, this seventh day. This is what God says is very good. And this is just the way things are supposed to be from here on. So much so that it makes a break from the pattern of Genesis 1. To this point, every day in the story has been marked with the phrase, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day, showing that each day had come to an end and the new day had begun. But not so with the seventh day. There is no evening in the story for this seventh day. And the implication is that this is just now how supposed things are supposed to be. It's like every day is a Sabbath day. God's presence filling all things and God and man ruling over creation, leading it forwards into life and flourishing, reliant on and enjoying the gifts and provision of God. So what do we learn then about the Sabbath day from Genesis 1 and 2? First of all, we learn that it is a day of liberation. Creation was liberated uh, from darkness and chaos into flourishing and life. Next, we see that it was a day of perpetual flourishing. Thirdly, we see that it was a day for recognising and enjoying the gifts and provision of God in creation and in his presence. And fourthly, it was a day for co-ruling and reigning with God, which you could legitimately call extending a kingdom. Sadly, that doesn't last very long and it all gets lost in Genesis chapter three, where mankind sin against God and are cast out of the presence of God. And therefore now no longer live in this context of just kind of easy flourishing. They have lost the ongoing Sabbath that was supposed to be. 
the story of the Bible continues. And eventually we get to the Exodus story where God leads his people out of slavery in Egypt uh, into freedom. And after this Exodus story is the first time that God gives a command to the nation of Israel to observe the Sabbath. And actually, when it is addressed here, the fact that they have been slaves in Egypt and have now been brought out and redeemed by God seems to give the Sabbath day extra layers of meaning, or at least builds upon the layers of meaning that we've already seen from Genesis 1 and 2. So in Exodus chapter 20, this is the chapter where God, through Moses, gives his people the Ten Commandments for the first time, what we call the Ten Commandments. And in it, God and Moses sort of pick up on the Genesis 1 and 2 language. They say, look, in six days, God created everything. And so and then he rested on the seventh day. And so therefore, you should stop from all your work on the Sabbath day and rest on that day, too. So they pick up the language of Genesis 1 and 2 and therefore draw out all of the stuff that we've just looked at there. But then the story goes on a little bit more. All the people wander in the wilderness for 40 years. One generation dies out and another generation is born and, and uh, you know, reaches maturity. And this generation is about to enter into the promised land. But before they do, Moses repeats the law to this generation. And that's really what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter five, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. But when he gets to the commandment about the Sabbath, he doesn't talk about Genesis. He doesn't talk about the creation story. He uses some different language. So I'm just going to read to you from Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 15. It says this. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is or that's sort of a foreigner amongst you who is to, who is within your gates that you that your male servant and your female servant may rest with you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore. The Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in this time, when Moses is re, you know, re telling them again what the, um, the law is and what the Ten Commandments are, he doesn't talk about creation. He, instead, he talks about the Exodus story. And he says, look, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, even your animals and the sojourners amongst you, you are all to rest together on this day. Because you are to remember that you were a slave in Egypt who has now been liberated. And therefore your servants, your slaves, it's the same kind of word. They are to rest with you on this day. You are to rest as a community of equals. You're to enjoy food. You're to enjoy each other's company. On this day, there is no master or servant. You are all equal. There is no foreigner or native. You are all a community of equals together. Remember, God says, that you have been liberated from slavery and have been brought into blessing. Therefore, treat your slaves and anyone who is amongst you in the same way, because this is now what the Sabbath is about too. So from Genesis 1 and 2 then, we looked at a few things and I think the Exodus story seems to build on the meaning that we find there. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we saw that Sabbath is about a day of liberation. And after the Exodus story, clearly it is also 
uh, about a day of liberation, but here it is about celebrating liberation from slavery. God says, now on this day, you are to, to live this out, this liberation, by treating everybody in your society as an equal and celebrating this day together as a community of equals. Next, in Genesis 1 and 2, we saw that it was meant to be, a, it was a day of perpetual flourishing. And here, later in the story, I think we see that. Only now, we see it in the context of a particular human society. This was a day for community and generosity, where we're all to celebrate this together. We're to kind of flourish as a human society on this day together. Next, we saw from Genesis 1 and 2 that it was a day for, of recognizing and enjoying the gifts and provision of God. And here, whenever the Sabbath day is talked about, it is talked about as a day for the Lord or a day to the Lord. It was a day that belonged to God and was given to his people as a gift. It was therefore a day to stop. It was a day about trust and humility. It was a regular moment in the week to stop and to consider for the people that I'm not really in control. Even time, my time is not my own. It belongs to God. It's his time. I need to stop and trust. I'm, I'm not the one who ultimately provides for myself. God does. I'm not ultimately in charge of all things. Do you know what? The world will keep spinning on its axis without my little contribution towards it for this day. And so it's like a day given as a regular reminder to stop, to consider God and his sustaining power in all things and his gifts in our lives. And then fourthly, we saw that it was a day of co-ruling and reigning with God, which you could legitimately call extending a kingdom. And I think we see from here, from this post-Exodus kind of stuff, we see the beginnings of God's radical views and heart for the poor and social justice. Baked into this Sabbath day were themes of equality and honour for all people, no matter their social position or status. And we know today you know, so much of God's kingdom is about exactly this. So from all of this, we can see that this Sabbath day had deep significance and meaning for the Israelites. And a little bit like when we break bread together as Christians, when we take communion like we'll do later at Powerhouse, it has this a kind of two aspects to it. When we break bread, it has a remembering. We remember what Jesus has done for us. But it also has a, an aspect where we're pointing forward. We're taking it in faith, believing that one day he is going to return. So it has these two aspects, a remembering and a pointing forwards in faith. Similarly, the Sabbath day for the nation of Israel had these two elements. It was a day of remembering, remembering what God has done for us in liberating us from slavery. And remembering that we're not ultimately dependent on our own labour to provide for ourselves. God is in charge and he is our provider. But this day also had a looking forward aspect to it as well. It was a day to look forward in faith to the promises that God had given this people, that one day creation would be restored to its blessed, restful, Genesis 1-like state, the state that had been lost in the Garden of Eden, where God will put everything right again one day. Actually, 
The whole Jewish calendar revolved around this hope. They weren't just given a Sabbath day to remember. They were given loads of different feasts and festivals. And lots and lots of these had these two aspects to them. They were, they were times to remember what God had done, but also to point forward in faith to the promises God had given them that he would restore all things to a position of blessing and rest. In fact, you could say that this was the whole reason for the nation of Israel's existence. God took this people and made them like a prophetic declaration that he was and would renew all things actually through this people. And the Sabbath day given to them is a bit like the smallest, most regular building block. They're like a weekly reminder of this big picture that all these other festivals and feasts were about. Actually, it was about remembering what God has done, but also pointing forwards in faith that one day God would restore all things. So, the Sabbath day was a day full of deep meaning and a day full of prophetic promise that one day God would put all things right again. So that's what it was in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel. Enter the New Testament. Enter Jesus. Enter the bit of the story that we have been born into. And we'll pick that up next week. So for now, I hope that's helpful just to give some so background um, teaching into what this day was for the nation of Israel, how it's had such deep and rich meaning. But uh, next week, we'll then pick up the story and say, OK, so fine. But what did Jesus think of it? Well, how did he handle it? And therefore, what does that mean for us today? So we'll pick that up next week. Hope that's helpful. Hope you have a great rest of your day. See some of you at Powerhouse later. And I'm going to hand back to Andrew. Andrew.